0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. This is Scott Reichel, and this is the Betting Barrier Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the Bay Area's number one sports podcast network. They only place with the show for every team in the Bay Area and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're also available in your favorite directory, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Rice Shell Radio. On this week's show, we're going to be talking about the San Francisco 49ers and their upcoming football game over the next week from a betting perspective. But, before we get into any of that, I'm going to have a quick word from our sponsor. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, aligns, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Ben Maria podcast. For a break, we discussed the plan for the show. Once again, talk about the Niners, their upcoming Thursday night game against the Giants from a betting perspective. But before we get into any of that, do want to recap what happened last week, both for the Niners and for us. Starting off with the Niners, went well, ended up winning against the Rams on the road by seven. As for our picks, not the best, ended up losing the total. We like the under in the game. As for the spread, a really brutal push with the Niners minus seven. I know they closed higher than that, 7.5 or 8. And then you had the infamous decision by McVay to kick a field goal as time expired as the Rams were down 10. So the Rams had a backdoor field goal at the buzzer that they attempted while trailing by two possessions, which didn't make any sense either way, whatever. Point is, we picked up a push with the spread, pretty rough beat there, and then ended up losing with the total. But the Niners overall were good. They weren't great by any means, but they were pretty good. And to go through the numbers here, offensively, the Niners scored 30 points, so can't really complain. Purdy once again, was sturdy, did what he had to do, 17 of 25 for 206. He had zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, only sacked one time, QBR of 74.2. Once again, embracing and thriving in the game manager role. As for the ground game. You saw McCaffrey go crazy as McCaffrey had 20 carries for 116 yards, 5.8 yards per carry He had a one touchdown. And he also had a long run of 51 yards. Debo Samuel did score a touchdown on the ground, five carries 38 yards. And you had Brock Purdy who did convert a QB sneak for a touchdown at the end of the first half. So Purdy did have a touchdown in the end, but none through the air and overall the Niners ground game really dominated from start to finish. But for the receiving core, Debo Samuel was, Solid in general, he did have over 100 total yards from scrimmage, including the rushing yards. He had six catches for 63 yards. You had Juwan Jennings, who had two catches for 51. You had Brandon Ayuk, who had three catches for 43. You had George Kittle, who had three catches for 30. And you had Christian McCaffrey, who had three catches for 19 yards. So McCaffrey hasn't been a serious game breaker in the passing game so far this season, but he has a need to be because he's been insane in the ground game, so the point is McCaffrey's still been the main focal point of this offense, and hopefully the offense can keep it rolling in the upcoming weeks. As for the actual defense, the truth is the defense was fine, but really wasn't that great. You saw them end up forcing two interceptions, which is nice. Anytime you can intercept Stafford, Stafford has a turnover problem against the Niners. He has for his entire career, and I'm not exactly shocked that Lenore and Oliver intercepted him once apiece, but for the actual numbers, they only had one sack and the Rams did run the ball with some success, not in terms of volume, but yards per carry was at four, which is okay, but they had one rushing touchdown. Kyron Williams did have a decent afternoon with 52 yards and a touchdown. As for the initial starter for the season, Cam Akers, he was not actually playing in this game, and he got traded. So he's no longer on the roster. But either way, the receiving core, though, did have some success as well. Stafford, despite uh, having two interceptions, did throw for 307 yards and had a touchdown. He did also attempt 55 passes, so volume played a factor in that. But For the receiving core, the name that is once again popular in all fantasy football leagues was really good once again. In week two, Puka Nakua, who had 15 catches, 15 catches for 147 yards. He was incredible. Got targeted 20 times. Tutu Adwell at 77 yards and seven catches. And Kyron Williams, I mentioned before, he had a good afternoon. He also had six catches of 48 receiving yards and a touchdown. So Kyron Williams was the, I'd say, second main focal point of the offense. He was the main threat in the red zone, but Puka, was the main guy with 15 catches. And besides that, nobody else really did anything. As for the defense for the Rams, Byron Young had a sack. Uh, The Niners did a pretty good job of bottling up Aaron Donald as he had no tackles at all in the game. He had one quarterback hit, but really did not have an impact on the entire game. So he had a completely just just off game, simply put. And they could have used him because the Niners scored 30 points. But anytime you can... Win the turnover battle 2-0, and any time you could also have over 360 yards of offense with no turnovers, you're going to win a decent amount of those games, and the Niners did. The Rams had seven more first downs, 20-something more yards, but when you lose the turnover battle, you are going to lose more often than not, and they did. And the final score, once again, was closer than the actual game was because the uh, field goal at the end of regulation to make it a one-score game, but the Niners were up double digits with two minutes to go, And the game should have ended that way, but it did not. As anyway, to go through the week three preview, I want to start off going through the Giants' week two win, which was very, very ugly, but very, very exciting as they beat the worst team in the league by a last minute field goal to win. And they were also down a ton of points in that game. The Cardinals ended up leading 20 to nothing at the half, and they also led 28 to seven with about three and a half minutes left in the third quarter. 28-7, to and then the Giants proceeded to score 24 straight points to end the game, including the game-winning field goal with 19 seconds left. But the Giants, for the first game and a half, were being outscored 60-plus to nothing. It was not a good start at all, one of the worst starts to a season in the history of the league. But the Giants woke up, Daniel Jones was good, and they were able to rally against the worst team in the league. But to go through the actual stats here for the Giants, uh, you had Daniel Jones, who once again had a great game, 321 passing yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Was sacked three times, but he had a QBR of 78.4, also had 59 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. You had Saquon Barkley, who had 63 yards and a touchdown on the ground, but he also had a receiving touchdown, an important one, Late in that game. So in all-purpose yards, he broke 90 and he had two touchdowns. So a pretty decent game for Saquon Barkley. Did come at a cost, which I'll mention in a second. But Barkley had a pretty good game. Besides that, Waller was pretty solid. He ended up having 76 yards and six catches. Jalen Hyatt had 89 yards on two catches. He had 158 yard catch down the left sideline which was the big game but besides that Hodgins had a touchdown and he had 40 yards so Daniel Jones was really bad with the rest of the offense for the first half then the team woke up after halftime and outscored the Cardinals 31 to 8 in the second half in route to a win as for the defense they did not sack Josh Dobbs a single time and as for the turnovers they didn't cause any which makes the lost by the Cardinals, that much more embarrassing because the Cardinals had 379 yards of offense, they had zero turnovers, and they still lost the game. The Giants had 439 yards with one turnover, and they won the game 31-28. Now, to go through the issues with the Giants so far this season, the defense has been really bad. Now, week one was not totally the defense's fault because the offense kept turning it over. You had a blocked field goal for a touchdown and a pick six. So the Cowboys offense really did not have to do much in week one. But week two, Dobbs was very comfortable and get a QB rating of 74.9. Once again, it's a second week with the team or a second game with the team. So he should not be putting up numbers that good. And the ground game was solid as Arizona did average 5.2 yards per carry and two touchdowns. With that, Dobbs had a rushing touchdown and 41 yards and James Conner was really good had 23 carries for 106 yards and one touchdown. As for the receiving core, the leading receiver for the Cardinals had 56 yards, but there were co-leaders and Hollywood Brown had 54 yards behind them. So three guys who were pretty equally involved in the passing success. Uh, Michael Wilson had 56 yards. Zach Ertz had six catches for 56 yards and Hollywood Brown had six catches for 54 and a touchdown. You had McBride who had 32 yards and Rondo Moore who had one catch and I believe it was the first half to extend the drive, but that was basically it. Now, for the Cardinals' defense, they did end up getting three sacks, as Kazir White had one, you had Dennis Gardick, who had one, and Zavin Collins and Victor Keji had a half a sack as well, but I'm mentioning that because the Giants' offensive line is a serious point of concern, and that was going to be my segue into the actual matchup, so... I also didn't mention, by the way, that uh, Jalen Thompson had the interception. But the point is, the Giants were pretty fortunate to win that game, and they will have to play a lot better if they want to get the job done against the Niners. Now, it is going to be a tall task because the Giants are missing a lot of players. And on top of that, they are basically given no chance to win by the odds makers. The Niners are favored by about 10 points. So, the Niners should, once again, be able to win this comfortably, but we'll see what happens. Now, for the sake of the spread in total. I just mentioned a second ago it was 10. The over under is 44 and a half. So just keep that in mind. But going through the injury report, this is where it gets really ugly for the Giants. They are decimated with the ground game and with the trenches. So Saquon Barkley, I mentioned how he had two touchdowns last week, also got rolled up on late in that game and he is out with a hand with a uh, an ankle sprain. So Ankle sprain is actually not as bad as we thought it might be. It looked like he might have been seriously hurt. Not Chubb hurt, but still seriously hurt. He's supposed to be out for about three weeks, but the point is he's officially out for this game. You also will be missing a couple of offensive linemen, as Ben Breedson has a concussion. He's not going to play. And you also have Andrew Thomas, who's out with a hamstring injury. So they're missing two offensive linemen, two starting offensive linemen, and their star running back. And the Giants' offense in general isn't that great. So against the Niners' defense, not a great combo. There are serious questions about how about how the Giants are actually supposed to score in this game. And that definitely is going to be a, I'd say, reason why people will stay away from the Giants in this spot in terms of betting. But as for the Niners, they are relatively healthy. However, there is one exception. You do have Brandon Ayuk, who was limited in practice on Tuesday and Wednesday but he is questionable with a shoulder injury. So Ayuk might not play. We'll keep an eye out for it. If he's not going to play, then Juwan Jennings and Ronnie Bell will have to step up with a bigger role. But the point is, keep an eye out for Ayuk. He might not play in this game. Now, the problem, though, that I see for the sake of this matchup for the Giants, once again, they really can't block anybody. And even in that win against the Cardinals, they couldn't really block the defensive line in the entire first half, which is why Jones generated no points and why he got sacked a bunch early on but the Niners once again had a pretty decent defensive showing against the Rams could have been better but they are at home it is a short week for the Giants they just played on the west coast so I don't believe they traveled I think they stayed near Arizona and California so just keep an eye out for that I'm not sure if they actually traveled back to the east coast I doubt it but the injuries are really important And the overall talent gap is pretty large. Once again, the Giants did win last week, but they were down 21 points in the second half to probably the least talented team in the league at this point in time. We saw them in week one, and they lost by 40 points. So I don't exactly trust the Giants to remain competitive in this matchup against the Niners, and the Niners should bury them. But I do think when you're looking at this matchup, the Niners in the trenches should really dominate The Giants are allowing the seventh most rushing yards per game. They also have not really done anything defensively to trouble teams. And I do think that when you're looking at what the Niners do well at, it is keeping good control of the football and once again, dominating the line of scrimmage. The Giants are also really bad against the tight end position. And now you have to deal with George Kittle. So that is going to be a problem. If Ayuk doesn't play, it is not the end of the world. Of course, you would want him to play. But if he doesn't, I think the Niners have enough to get by. Debo is going to have a decent game. Kittle might have a bigger role. McCaffrey's still an insanely talented player. I do think the Niners get it done pretty comfortably, and I do think they're going to win in a rout in a pretty ugly Thursday night football game. But I do also want to mention that with the Giants being without Barkley, their backup running back options are Matt Breida, Gary Brightwell, and you have Gray, who's the rookie from Oklahoma, who's also a punt returner. The point is, there's a massive drop-off, and I think we all know Daniel Jones is a historically bad quarterback at actually keeping good control of the football. He improved on it last year. We saw it in week one, though, again, against a lot of pressure. He tends to struggle, and I do think with the Niners' pass rush, Jones will be running for his life the entire game, and I do think he'll have a bunch of turnovers and bad decisions because of it, but this game really could get ugly. If I told you that it was a similar story to week one against the Steelers, and they won this game 30-7, to opened up a big lead, coasted the entire second half, got out without anyone getting hurt. I do think most of you would agree that is a pretty realistic outcome for this matchup. So I think I'm going to go with that kind of similar scoreline. The Niners could get to 30, especially against this defense, which is pretty bad. But I really don't know how the Giants are supposed to score. You're going to hope on garbage time passing attempts from Daniel Jones. but the receiving core is fine. They have a lot of guys who are kind of interchangeable, but they don't have a game breaker. And the Niners have been really good against the tight end position so far this season with Fred Warner and company. So I do think that Waller might be a bit neutralized in this game. The Giants just don't have any weapons offensively with Barkley being out. And they're also very shorthanded with the blocking because of the offensive line injuries. And the defense isn't very good. So I do think the Niners will win this comfortably. I think for the sake of a score, I will go with a 30 to 10 type score. So I am going to go with the under, but my favorite play will be the Niners minus the 10. It really checks all the boxes for a dominant Niners win, especially on a short week. So the Giants don't even have extra time to game plan for life without Barkley. They only have a couple of days. They had to play in Arizona. So once again, they might be stuck in the West coast. The Niners were also playing in California. So they didn't have to move. They were just able to go straight from L.A. to uh, their actual home arena in Santa Clara. But the point is the Niners, I think, are going to be able to win this comfortably, and I am going to pick them to do so. So once again, my picks for the show in week three will be the Niners minus 10 and the under 44 and a half. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of of the Ben and Maria podcast. Find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Find me on uh once again I'm on a bunch of podcasts as well so those are all linked to my twitter but until next time we're we'll back for week four good luck to all of you and all of your bats bye everyone thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube